0: friends. Welcome to Sips of Sunshine, the podcast hosted by Amy Ogden. Sips of Sunshine is a place to share inspiration, positivity, and fresh ways of thinking. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy today's episode, please share this sip of sunshine with someone you love. And now on to today's podcast. Hey everyone, it's Amy. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Sips of Sunshine. I am recording this on December 23rd, 2018, just a couple of days before Christmas. i um, headed tomorrow to Florida to be with my family for the week. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, and today's episode is one that I'm so passionate about it's about personal finances. You know, I know that as we look at 2019, a lot of people think about their goals and their resolutions and I've been talking to a lot of my friends about their goals and it's so crazy like the same ones have come up when it comes to money with everyone. And so I thought it would be fun to do a blog post and a podcast to give you some advice for 2019 about how to crush debt, save more, and either start or increase your investing. Because those are the three things that kept coming up with my friends. They were like, I gotta get rid of my debt, I've gotta increase my savings, and I know I need to be investing, but I just don't even know where to start. So that's what today's episode is about. Get out a pen and paper, take some notes, or don't get out a pen and paper and just go to my blog, SipsOfSunshine.com, where I put all of this also in a blog post because I wanted it to be written out very like step-by-step step for you. And so you can go to Sips of Sunshine, go to the blog post, and um, print it out, use it as a checklist. Um, and you know, I think it's always so important for me to make sure you all know when I talk about money... I am not an expert, I'm not trained in personal finances in any way, so everything I'm sharing is things I've either learned through real life, trial and error, um, or things I've learned through all of my research and studying on personal finances, even though, It's not my education, it's something I'm really passionate about. So I've spent years listening to podcasts, reading books, um, reading online articles about how to manage your money personally. So um, I think this comes from a really solid place and I hope this is a really organized, clear roadmap for you. I tried to make this just super clean and foolproof. Um, first, I want to talk about just like why I love talking about money so much. I think it's such a common denominator for everybody. It doesn't matter how much you make, where you are in life, money matters to you. We all have money. We all need money. We all want financial peace of mind. Um, none of us feels like we really have a handle on our money 100% of the time. And it's crazy to me, you know, I I look at like how we're brought up and I just feel like the system is so broken like from the beginning many of us grow up in households where money is sort of an off-limits topic our parents don't talk about it we don't know how much money the family has or doesn't have we don't know where we sit financially as a family um, when we're growing up and then you go into school and the education system just completely overlooks financial literacy as a critical part of our growth and learning and then the part that like really fires me up is student loans. You know, as teenagers, we are offered the opportunity to sign away tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt and we do this having no education or concept oftentimes of how loans or interest even works. I just think it's absolutely criminal what the education system and the government allows teenagers to do um, by signing up for these loans. Honestly, it's really, really bothers me. Um, Then, you know, we start dating and get even married to people without ever talking about money. You know, I, I know people who've been with their boyfriends for years and don't know you know how much he makes or how much debt he has or what his investments look like or even just like what his financial mindset is like is he a spender or a saver or an investor is he very much like YOLO you know just make your money spend all your money now does he plan for the future um does he value money does he does making a lot of money matter to him or not and those are both fine it's just like Like we date and marry people without even having this important conversation. Um, And then we have kids and we don't tell them about our money situation. And then the whole cycle starts over again. And I just think it's this really, really broken system um, societally and within the education and government system. And, you know, I've been talking to my friends over the past few weeks about their personal financial goals for 2019. And what I love so much is like my group of friends, we are all – so open and honest with each other about money. We talk about our wins, our losses, uh, you know, our goals. We we talk real numbers. I know how much my friends have in credit card debt. I know how much they have in student loan debt. Um, I know what their raise just was. Like, we're really honest with each other as kind of a safe place to share to celebrate i mean some of the biggest celebrations we have are when someone hits a net worth goal or gets a raise or pays off a credit card i mean you should see the group texts that go around Um, it's just something that we all really value and we support each other so much in reaching our personal financial goals which i'm so proud of i think it's a really cool thing to share with my best friends and to support them in their goals But again, you know, talking to my friends and looking at 2019 and what their goals are, a few consistent goals just came up time and time again. They want to pay off their debt, they want to save more, and they want to start investing or they want to invest more. They know they're investing, but they don't think they're doing enough for it to be the kind of number they want to see years and decades down the line at retirement. And the funny thing about personal finances is like, Unless, unless you fancy, unless you like own multiple businesses and have all these crazy fancy financial things going on, like sorting out your finances is actually pretty simple. And I think one of the reasons that people don't just wrap their arms around it and do it is they overcomplicate it in their heads and it becomes big and scary and um, unapproachable. It's almost like fitness, right? Like if you really look at health and fitness, it yeah you can get super fancy with all the special fancy pills and this and that but the key to most fitness wellness I guess or getting fit is a is several like very basic things about what you eat and how you work out like I do the most basic workout you guys and um it's nothing fancy. I'm not doing anything wild, but I'm watching my body get in really good shape and I'm just doing really classic stuff. So I kind of look at fitness the way I look at financial wellness. Like you can overcomplicate it, but honestly like 80 to 90% of success falls into a few really core basic items. So here we go. I'm going to talk you through this I'm going to – this is a lot, and like I said, go to my blog, sipsofsunshine.com, for a completely written-out, point-by-point version of this, okay? So the first thing is paying off debt. Loan payments are easily the biggest financial stressor for everyone I know, and whether it's student loans or high-interest credit card loans, it feels scary and never-ending. And first of all, I want you to take back the power and energy that you've given to debt – It's just numbers on paper, you guys. It's not your heart. It's not your soul. It's not your kindness. I just, it's numbers on paper, but we're going to get real about it and we're going to fix this, okay? So here's your plan for paying off debt in 2019. There's a name for this system and I don't know what it is. Um, So I'm going to call it the reverse snowball. Um, So imagine just like we talk about the snowball effect of something starts small and gets big really fast. This is going to be big and it's going to get small really fast. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to do your homework, have a glass of wine, log on, and get real about every loan you owe and the interest rate you're paying on it. I'm shocked at how often people tell me they have loans and then when my first question is about the interest they're paying on them, they can't answer me. And the interest matters significantly. So make a list of all of your loans and your debts and the interest rates for each. I don't want you to include payments on mortgages or car payments. Those are considered um, very benign, and those are just like regular monthly expenses. We're not considering that in the same pile as credit card debts, student loans, things like that. So now I want you to take a list of all of the loans. And so this is credit cards. This is student loans. um, Any... Any loans, anyone you owe money to, credit cards, student loans, even if your uncle loaned you $2,000, like anyone you owe money to, I want you to list them. Um, And then what I want you to do is next to each one, I want you to list the interest rate you're paying. This is so important. I'm blown away that when people tell me they have loans and my first question is, what's the interest you're paying on that loan? They can't answer it. The interest matters significantly. So you're going to make a list of these loans. You're going to order them from top to bottom with the highest interest one listed at the top and then going down from there, descending from there to the lowest interest at the bottom. I want you to notice I didn't say the highest amount at the top. So that means if you've got a $300 credit card bill with 22% interest and a $3,000 credit card bill with 18% interest, that $300 one is first or it's at least above the $3,000. Um, we're going by interest rate. Now what I want you to do is dig into each one and just first see if you can lower the interest rates on any of these loans. You'd be blown away that if you just call a customer service number and ask, um, oftentimes they can work with you on a different interest rate. Um, I also want you to look at options like opening a 0% promotional interest card, transferring a balance, but you have to pay it off before the interest kicks in, Or take out a loan at a lower percentage like I did this years ago. I had $4,500 in credit card debt paying like 18% interest. I went to a credit union. I got a $4,500 loan at 9% interest. I then paid that off. Um, So I was paying 9% interest rather than 18% interest. So you guys have to think about this. Interest. Is basically punishment for spending money you didn't take the time to save first right it's your punishment so your goal here is to lessen the punishment as much as possible so you're gonna see if you can negotiate any of those interest rates and then you're gonna maybe if you need to reorder this so if some of the interest rates changed you're gonna put this in whatever the final order is of highest interest to lowest interest then next to each one you're going to figure out the minimum monthly payment on each to just keep it current minimum monthly payment and you're going to see what that total number is now of course paying the minimums is why none of us can get out of debt because we're paying minimums and we never feel like we get ahead so um that's okay i just want you to see what that number is so say you've got three credit cards and one student loan you look at the minimums due on each and it comes to $345 a month if you just pay the minimums on each. Then what I want you to do is look at your budget. I'm not gonna talk about budgeting in this um, podcast, so um, that we can talk about that on another podcast, but I want you to look at your budget and figure out how much more above that 345 minimum could you pay each month towards debt. So say it's 100 more or 200 more or 500 more, whatever the most is you could pay, I want you to add that amount to that highest interest number, got it? The other ones, you're just gonna pay the minimum. And I know you're like, but that's crazy. Why am I paying a minimum on $3,000 a month or $3,000 worth of, say, a credit card, but I'm paying more on a $500 you know, total credit card bill? Because again, we're ordering by interest rate. The way to pay down your debt the fastest and to pay the least in penalties, that's that punishment that we talked about, is to pay the highest interest first. Okay, so you say we're just going to use this example. You've got three credit cards and you've got one student loan. You order them in number and you're going to pay the minimum on the bottom three and you're going to throw the most money possible at that highest interest number. And then from there once that one's paid off, you're gonna take that same total amount you've been spending. So say when you lined up the four um, debts, the three credit cards and the student loan, you, you were able to spend a total of 600 a month on all of them. 345 was the minimum, and then you were able to put another, what would that be, 255 extra on that highest interest one. Then when that highest interest one is paid off, you've got three things you now owe on you're still gonna pay 600 a month, the minimum on the bottom two and whatever's left, that big chunk of money on that top one with the most interest. Does that make sense? This is like a reverse snowball. You just pay the minimums on the lower interest ones, you throw the biggest amount of money on the highest interest loan, And it's just going to snowball down. You're going to have four loans and you're going to pay off that top one. Then you're going to have three. You're going to pay that one down even faster because you were used to paying on four, right? So that one's going to go away before you know it. Then the next one. Then the final one. It really, really works. Um, So I know this is a big pill to swallow, but you got to just like get real about this. You got yourself into this debt. You need to get yourself out of it. I want you to get really honest about this and when you look at your budget, if you can't throw a lot of extra money at this debt, I want you to get real about your income. Do you need to maybe take a part-time job, you know, one night a week and a few hours on the weekends to make this money? Do you need to babysit on the side? I mean, you really need to get real about this, you guys. It's hard to pay down debt if you're not willing to really put in the work and throw the money at it and get it paid down because those interest rates that you just barely chip away at the debt because they keep punishing you every month with the interest rates and that's what's so frustrating and that's why it feels like you can never get ahead of it also if you get some sort of windfall maybe you get um, a big bonus or some expected income i know this is hard I want you to put it all towards your debt if you can. Again, you got yourself into this debt. You're going to get yourself out of it. Putting that money in the bank, it's going to make you like zero to 1%. And even if you put it in the market, making six or 8%, you're still paying probably like 14 to 18% on that debt. So again, you've got to throw the money at it and pay it down. And then, of course, during all of this, while you're paying all this down, you're not going into any more debt. I know that sounds obvious, but I'm being serious here. I want you to stop spending more than you make. If you want more, you need to make more. It's a big, bold world out there. It's never been easier to make more money and reach your goals. So I want you to go for it. So that's your debt pay down plan. And if you do nothing in 2019 but pay down your debt, you are a rock star. So once you've paid down your debt, that is job numero uno. Then you're going to start saving more. And it's, it's so funny. I think about savings, and I only really got a handle on my savings, you guys, in the past two years. I went, I'm going to say that again. I'm 42. I got a handle on my savings in the past two years. It took me until 40 to really get a handle on it. So um, I spent so many years doing this dumb thing where, like, <coughs> excuse me. I had my checking and my savings in the same account through my like my main bank, so I just moved money back and forth every week. So what I would do is I'd be like, no, I really got to work on building up my savings. So I'd move money to savings, or even had like an automatic plan where it moved money every week. But then I'd look online, and my checking would be low, and I'd panic, and I'd take money out of savings and move it back into checking because you could do it instantly. So it was so stupid. My savings just sat there, just going up and down and up and down and up and down, and it never moved. And in fact. It went down over time. You know, I would start with like, I don't know, 500 in savings. And then six months later, I had 300 in savings. And I was like, well, this is just ridiculous. Um, So, two years ago, I did something really important. I moved my savings to a Capital One 360 online savings account. Here's why I love these so much it's not in the same bank as my checking. So if I do want to move money from savings to checking, it takes like three to four business days for the transfer to happen. That immediately stopped me from just playing this game where I just moved money back and forth. And then within the Capital One 360 online savings account, I can set up multiple savings accounts within it for different purposes, which I love so much um, based on my goals and sort of these like savings buckets, right? So my main one is called, oh, and you can name them anything you want, and that's really fun too. So my main one is called Freedom and Options, and the reason I call it that is because to me, money is freedom and options. Money is the freedom to make life choices. It's the freedom for me to say, you know what, I really want to go on this big trip, or I really want to buy this thing. Options, it means, oh, I really want to live in this neighborhood, and I have the option to live there because I've saved the money and I can afford it, right? So to me, money is freedom and options. And so I named that account that very intentionally because I always want to remember that when I look at that number and when I'm funding that account that this isn't about money. This is about freedom and options. So I have some pretty aggressive goals in that one. Um, you know, I feel like for me in my early 40s, in the next five years, I'm probably going to need a pretty big amount of money to either like put down on a home Or um, put towards maybe like redecorating a home or something. And I want to have that money there. So um, that one I've got a pretty big number in mind. So I fund that one pretty aggressively. And I'll tell you more about how I do that in a minute. Then I have another one called travel goals. Travel is one of my core values. And, you know, I never want to be in a position where A friend calls me and says, oh my God, I've got this amazing opportunity. We can do it, you know, 10 days in an African safari and it's going to cost $4,000. I don't want to have to be like, oh man, like I wish I could, but I don't have $4,000 lying around. So travel goals to me is not for quick little weekend trips or whatever, or to cover a plane flight, although you could use it for that too. But for me, it's for like that big once in a lifetime trip that I don't even know is going to occur, but I want to be ready when it does. And then last year, um, as many of you know, I got a breast reduction and the surgery cost me about $8,000 even with insurance. And that's a lot of money to me, you guys. I'm not the kind of person who just has like $8,000 sitting sitting around idly um, without a purpose. And so what I did was set up the Capital One 360 account for my surgery and I, um, I figured out the surgery date. I worked my way backwards, figured out how much I had to put away every week to have $8,000 by November 20th of 2017. That was when my surgery was. It was hard. It was actually a pretty big number. And I remember looking at my financial team saying, I can't do this. If I put away, it was like, it was some crazy number, like $400 a week, like something that I could not, I couldn't do. I was like, I don't have that kind of money. And they were like, I promise you, you can, and if for some reason it doesn't work, you know, we can always change the number, but like try it. And it was so painful, and I put myself on a pretty strict budget, and I did it. And the day of my surgery, I was able to pay full cash for that. I didn't have to get any kind of credit for it, I didn't have to pull it out of another savings bucket. Like I had that set up. So I really love the Capital One 360 online savings accounts because it's separate from my checking. I can't play that game of just moving money back and forth and then I'm able to set up these separate accounts with separate goals. So I've got freedom and options, that's my big bad boy. I've got travel goals, and then last year I had surgery. Um, That one is done now. And then the key to savings, 100%, building up your savings, is automation. So within the Capital One 360 account for each bucket, you can set up an automation plan. It can be daily, weekly, every other Wednesday, like you can pick the frequency and you can pick the amount. And so then what happens is for me, I do it weekly because I'd rather do a smaller amount weekly than a big chunk monthly. Every week, a certain amount is pulled from my checking account and put into Freedom on Options. And every week, a certain amount is taken from my checking account and put into travel goals. And then if I did come up with another goal, maybe I decide, okay, a year from now, I'm finally getting that golden doodle that I really, really want. A golden doodle costs about $3,000. That's a crazy amount of money, but it does. So then I could be like, okay, I'm gonna set up my golden doodle fund and you know, come up with that number. So I love that I can create these goals, these buckets, and then set up these funds. And again, when it auto-debits from your checking account into these, you, do, you see it in your checking and you see that number go away, but it's just every week and it's not a crazy number. And before you know it, your savings accounts look so good and you feel so good and you don't feel it so hard in your checking account because it's a smaller amount every week um so that is how uh you're going to build up your savings you're going to move it to capital one 360 or something similar set up your savings buckets set up your automation plan and then leave it alone as much as possible um And then goal number three is start investing or invest more. So most people I know are really scared of investing. They don't know where to start. It feels like gambling, right? Like you hear people talk about playing the market. Um, They think they need a degree in finance to do it. Um, And maybe even right now, you know, you've heard the market is going down. So you think it's a bad time to get in on it, which is the opposite. This is the best time to get in on the market. Um, So again, I am not at all a financial expert, but here is my advice for investing at a very basic level. Um, So we're going to start with a 401k. If you work for a company that offers a 401k plan, I want you to get in on it. A 401k is money taken out of your paycheck and invested in the stock market. So it makes you a ton of money over time thanks to the magic of compound interest. The money is taken out before you get your check, so you never even touch it. You never even feel it. And um, if you contribute to your 401k at work, you are officially an investor. I was listening to this um, podcast the other day and Fidelity did this big survey of um, people, I think, under 35. And it was so funny they asked them, do you, do you participate in your company's 401k? 60% said yes. And then later in the survey, they said, do you invest in the stock market? And 10% said yes. I don't think people understand. When you invest in your 401k, you are officially an investor. It's going into the market. So congratulations, you are investing in the stock market. Um, and then many employers offer a 401k match as a benefit. Hear me out, you guys. This is so important. A 401k match is huge. It's basically like getting a raise that you don't see in your paycheck, but it goes right into the stock market for you, and you see it later in life in you know these huge numbers that are going to snowball as you get closer to retirement. This is free money. You need to take it all. So for instance, my company has a really great plan where – they match 4%, um, up to 4% if I contribute 6%. That's kind of the, that's the quick version of it. So if I contribute 6% of my paycheck into my 401k, the company will do four. That's amazing, you guys, that means 10%. um, And that 4% is a gift from the company. So you can bet I will never contribute less than 6% because anything less than the match goes down and I want that full match. So one thing you want to do is find out what's the minimum you have to contribute to your 401k to get the maximum company match, okay? So figure that out. I personally actually do 10% towards my 401k and even more. I don't have to do 10%. 6% is the amount I have to do to get the full match. Even when I do 10%, the company does 4 But I see the value in investing. And so to me, I want to invest as much as possible because I want that big snowball, that magic of compound interest over time to keep rolling and growing so that I have a ton of money one day. Um, So I actually do 10%. Sometimes I even do more. Um, and I started doing this when I was in my late twenties, when I made very little money, I did 10%. I've just always sort of adjusted my lifestyle to basically taking, you know, 90% of my pay. Um, and the way I would always kind of say it to myself is like, God forbid I lost my job tomorrow. If I got offered a job at 90% of my current pay, would I take it and would I be able to keep living the life I live? And the answer was always yes. So, um, Do at least the minimum to get the maximum company match, but if possible, do even more. Uh, Every state has um, a cap on how much you can contribute to your 401k each year. They're not gonna let you go hog wild. So I think in New York, it's like 18,500. So I over contribute sometimes by a lot because I wanna hit that cap. Then from there, um, I know, know that I've got all that money sitting in investments. I'm still living a great life. And I've got the peace of mind of knowing that like one day when I'm ready to retire, I'm going to have a lot of money there and I can still live a really good life. I'm sacrificing a little bit today so that I can have a huge payoff down the line. Um, And then if you don't have a 401k, you're like, okay, great. It's really nice for people who have a 401k and a company that offers that or offers a match, but I don't have that. Um, There are also some really great other ways to invest that are just easy and kind of set it and forget it. So I really like Betterment. You might have also heard of Elvest. I think Fidelity is also coming out with um, a product like this. But I like Betterment. I think Elvest is very similar where there's no investment minimum. You choose your level of risk. Um, If you're younger, The rule of thumb is you can do higher risk. If you're older, you might want to pull back on that risk a little bit and do like a moderate. And then I set it up for automatic contributions, just like those online savings accounts I have. So it just grows and grows. I don't even feel this in my daily income or my life. So um, I max out my 401k at work, and then I have a Betterment account and in that Betterment account, I just put some money every month. It pulls right out of my checking account. I don't even think about it. I never touch it. And um, over the past like 18 months, with interest and with the market growth, I'm up to like $14,000. Like randomly sitting in some account that like I don't even think about. I'm not touching it. This is for old lady Amy. This is for the hot old lady. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be so rich and hot. And I'm just stashing money for that girl because she's going to need it. She wants to travel the world. She wants to wear fabulous clothes. She wants to go have wine with her friends. She wants to sit in her backyard with her husband and her golden doodles and her family. And like, I got goals here. So that's what all of this investing is for. The savings, here's the way I think of it. My savings money is for anything I need within the next five years. Um, anything past five years goes into investments. My 401k, I won't touch till I retire. But like betterment, um, that might be something where I need that money in 10 years or 15 years. I don't have to wait till retirement for that. Um, That's kind of also the difference. Uh, Your 401k, you can't touch it until you're like 60 or 65 without massive penalties. But an investment account like Betterment, you can totally touch it. You'll get taxed on the earnings within the past 12 months. But other than that, it's all your money. Um, but again, you really don't want to touch that money too soon. Like I, again, I use that five year window for my Betterment versus my online savings accounts. Um, And that thing I talked about, about the market going down, this is a good thing for you guys. I don't know why, but somehow like if other things in life go on sale, we get excited, right? Like if you were to go to the store and coconut milk was on sale, you'd be thrilled and you would like stock up on it. But somehow when the market dips, basically what that means is everything's on sale. So you want to actually get in on it now because you're going to have, you're going to keep that in the market for a long time and you've got the gift of time for the value to go back up and to go up even more so every dollar you spend on investing when the market is down you're basically getting more for your dollar and it's going to be worth even that much more later um and then finally when it comes to investing you know there's a philosophy to it like why do this right why not just get all of your money and spend all of your money today why Not live maybe as fruitful of a life today as you could because you're saving for when you're 65 or 80 or 90 and you don't even know if you'll make it. What if you die with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in a 401k? You're absolutely right. There is a chance you could die early and all of this investing and saving is just money sitting in the bank. But there's a better chance that you're going to live a really, really long life, you guys. If you're listening to my podcast or if you read my blog, you're smart, you care about your health and wellness, you make good life choices. And the odds are you're going to live a gorgeous long life. Invest now or work until the day you die. Those are basically your choices. Um, And you know, when I picture myself later in life at 70, 75, 80, you know, I don't picture myself working. Like I said, I see myself on a boat I see myself eating pizza in Italy. I see myself sipping Chardonnay in my backyard with my husband and our dogs. I'm investing now so I can stop working one day and still live a good life um, because I plan on living a gorgeous long life right alongside you. So um, I hope that you really got some good takeaways from this. If you're looking at 2019, you want to crush debt, you want to increase your savings, or you want to really figure out your investing plan, um, I hope this gave you at least some starting points. I listen to a ton of podcasts and read a lot about personal finances. A few resources that I really love are, um, there's a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. I would say hands down is the best book for super basic personal financial organization and getting systems put into place, hands down. I think he's super smart and the book really gave me a good foundation for a lot of this so it's called I will teach you to be rich it's linked on my blog you could grab it right there um another one and this is an oldie but goodie this is so old I'm dating myself but it's called the nine steps to financial freedom by Susie Orman it's from like maybe the early 90s but it's a really really good book you guys and that's where I learned that reverse snowball effect of paying down debt so if crushing debt is really important to you it is an older book she probably even has more modern versions of it but that's a really good resource Um, and then certainly if you are looking for a partner to help you sort all of this out together I am in no way getting i get nothing for these recommendations by the way i'm just sharing my favorite things with you um the financial gym it's i think it's financialgym.com um my friend shannon is the founder i was on her podcast about a year ago i think what she's doing is so important and meaningful and um they work on a subscription model like a membership model So rather than other financial planners, which personally I struggle with because I feel like they have certain biases towards telling you what to do with your money, her team, you pay a monthly um, membership fee. When I did it a year and a half ago, it was like 85 a month. Um, I don't know what it is now. But then you have like your own person and all of the advice they give you, they get they get all these numbers from you. They put your financial plan together. They literally help you log on to the websites and set up these accounts and set up the auto pays. Like they just sit and do it all with you. Um, what I love about that is because it's uh, monthly membership-based, they don't have any like dog in the fight when it comes to like if you do Betterment or LVEST or if you invest in this fund or that fund. You know what I mean? Their advice is... 100% unbiased and it's all in your best interests. Um, so there you go. There is your 2019 really basic financial plan. I hope you got something out of this. Please, if there's someone you know who could use this advice, click those three dots, hit share. You can text this episode to them. Um, I hope it was... 36 minutes and 30 seconds well spent. And um, thanks, you guys. I don't know if I'm going to record again before the new year. I'm headed to go see my family. I want to be really, really present and with my family for the next week. Um, So chances are we'll talk right before the new year or right after. But I love you all, and I'm so excited for you and your success in 2019. And I just can't wait to be a part of the story with you. Have a great day and a great holiday and an amazing new year. Bye. You've just listened to the Sips of Sunshine podcast with your host, Amy Ogden. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play and be sure to visit sipsofsunshine.com for more inspiration. See you at the next episode.